information on the current state of politics and this year's elections in Salem. A link to find the podcast will appear everywhere this episode appears online, and we hope that you... everyone and welcome to Salem Happenings, a series digging into the issues you're all talking about around the city. We're going to go around the room here and introduce ourselves, starting with... Uh, I'm Will Dowd and I'm with Wicked Local. I'm Deborah Greel and I'm retired from the city of Salem as a uh, the city art planner and have a passion for the arts still. Hi, I'm Rebecca Haynes. I'm a professor of media and communication at Salem State University. Hi. I'm Gwen Roseman, a retired academic administrator at Salem State University and currently an adjunct faculty in English. And I'm Dustin Luca with the Salem News, and we're also we're joined behind the scenes by SATV producer Alan Hanscom. So to open this episode, we're going to start with a conversation at City Hall that's really walking a very, very interesting line on the definition of public arts. The city's recently announced its selection of Chris Pappen to create a portrait of a NOMCAG leader for display in the chambers. He's a Chicago-based Native American portrait artist, and he'll be working with local indigenous leaders to create a portrait over the next year. This is triggering a really interesting discussion on the meaning of public art, because early discussions on this project said that it would replace a portrait of Andrew Jackson with the NOMCAG portrait. And this is proposed given Jackson's relationship to the eradication of indigenous culture and the Trail of Tears. Now the discussion is focusing on not replacing Jackson's portrait, but having them coexist at the same time. So table is set. We've got a lot going on with art right now. Who wants to begin? Well, as the former public art planner, let me just actually give a definition of what public art is. And um, Salem, uh, for people who don't know, Salem actually has a public art master plan. And it's on the Salem.com website for people to cruise around that. So public art is art in any media whose form, function, and meaning are created for the general public through a public process. So this, all the portraits at City Hall would be considered public art. The murals that you see on the walls, public art. Uh, we've had public art forever because, uh, you know, all the great cities uh, around the world have public art. Usually it's, it's what people think more of um, traditional which would be a statue, something like that. So I I think it. one of the things about the Salem public art definition is it brings together an identity as a cultural hub for the North Shore and a center for creative, creativity. Public art also fosters community pride, ownership, and a sense of belonging and contributing to the quality of Salem's built environment. So I think when we see so many of the murals that are coming out that talk about equity, that talk about um, who we are as a community, I really encourage people to take a walk around part of your community. Uh, uh, one thing that I think is really exciting about this project is that in City Hall, 
I, I think Dustin, you may have said this or not, but they're all white men. It's all white men on, on the walls. They're, no, I mean, they, so every time a mayor actually, like, not graduates, but at the end of their term, they get a portrait that gets hung in City Hall. And when Mayor Driscoll, whenever her term ends, whenever that be, whenever that's going to be, she would actually be the first woman to be, to have a portrait in City Hall. So I'm just really happy that, you know, Salem isn't just white men. It's a whole bunch of, you know, it's very oh. diverse community. And so I'm really happy to see uh, that, that, you know, American Driscoll brought this to the attention of the, pub, the, the public art commission and to see this kind of go through. I mean, I've been covering uh, the thing, the, um, the topic since its inception and you know um it's it's nice to finally see who's going to be creating the, the the portrait i mean yeah so it's always interesting to see who is uh honored shall we say in terms of public art in in the united states and in the discussion about um jackson it's in including his portrait it is like giving honor to someone who was in favor of extending slavery into the territories of someone who essentially architected, was the architect of the Trail of Tears. And are those the values that we want to honor and promote? And I think in, in deciding to retain his portrait, which people will make that decision, but in, in a part of their decision needs to be who and what values are we honoring with our public art. We often talk about how representation matters, right? And just like mass media is a medium, public art is a medium, as Deborah explained. And who is shown in these positions on, on the walls, in, in portraiture, in statues, really does say something about what we value and who sees themselves reflected can also really set the tone for you know young people's expectations of what they can do in life or the options available to them. So the more inclusive we can be, the better. That's actually just just as a segue. Um, the portraits of the mayors are actually in the mayor's office, and so if people wanted to go see those. Um, they would probably have to ask you know to be able to have access to them, which I'm sure, granted, if the mayor's not in the meeting. Um, but I'm, so, I'm glad what you said, Gwen, because I think if I were a public art planner right now, I would be advocating for not putting that portrait back up. And not only that, but really understanding the history of the other people that are hanging on that wall. You know, there was a gentleman, I forget his name, um, we were looking at his portrait, and uh, he was in the opium trade. And so what are the values? So, for instance, like a lot of the murals in the Point neighborhood were derived out of community conversations. Community conversation, bringing the community together. And one of the things that came out of that was, who do we want to be and what do we want to say to the general public, to who we are? We have pride in our neighborhood. We have pride in our ethnic backgrounds. And how can we best reflect that? And I think public art does a good job with that. So something, just to kind of piggyback on what Will had said a couple of minutes ago in regards to, you know, when the mayor's, you know, time in the city is going to end, because eventually it's going to, you know, it could end, you know, in a couple of months, it could end in four years, could end in eight years, we don't know, it all depends on when she loses an election, but she'll be the first mayor to have a portrait as a woman in the city of Salem, in the, in the city hall. But if you think about the, the, the different portraits that are up on the walls right now, you're talking about people that built railroads, you're talking about the opium trade, but he's in there because he was a major merchant in Salem. And these are the people who kind of helped make Salem the way it is now. So I think that kind of partially explains why 
they're all white men is because nobody else was allowed to have a seat at the table throughout all of that time. So you're kind of looking at the city's history, but then also at the same time, you're looking at the city's history under current context, where in the last five years, three of the city council presidents have been women. And then the last 16 years, there's only been one mayor and it's been a woman and she's had a city council or a city clerk that's been a woman, legal attorney who has been a woman, um, superintendents have been women, uh, police chief who was a woman. So it's just there's a long list of women leadership going on there. Joan Lovely's another amazing example of that. Oh, so I'm saying, well, one of the interesting things is, is like until recently, you didn't really see a lot of women do public art. That's actually fairly recent. And, and now the PEM too, don't forget about the PEM. And the PEM, Sorry, I, yeah, you have the leadership there for the first time in 240 years, I think. But um, it's great to see, and it's great to see actually some people in Salem, like on other things. So actually, so if you talk Tuttle does not live in Salem, but we have some great artists, public artists right here in Salem as women. So so now you're seeing an, a more of an equity. And I think people, when they do a call for artists, are looking toward what does that look like? What, what does equity look like um, in our selection of artists, um, not just for women, but for the BIPOC community? And speaking of that, there is a call right now from the North Shore CDC and uh, what's really interesting is the topic. Last last time it was um, what it means to be free. This topic is going to be about America, the American dream. So it'll be fascinating to see how the artists treat that subject. And what does the American dream mean? I can't wait for this. So I, uh, the deadline is August 15th. And I believe by the end of September, they'll be starting uh, on that wall. Oh, by the way, the wall is on Peabody Street, and there'll be 18 artists. They'll be paid $1,000 a piece, which is phenomenal for local art, and nine panels that will also have quotes and information in both English and Spanish. That's really good. Cool. Like, that's like the perfect segue, too, because we've talked a lot in the last couple of minutes about equity and things like that. We're talking about North Shore CDC's work at the point. You know, next thing on our agenda is the Race Equity Task Force, which obviously has a ton of overlap with public art. I mean, we, we just illustrated that. So the report's been kind of quietly going around, but recently saw an official release. There's a lot to dig into here. I mean, my Google Docs file on this is 12 pages long, but it's not about what I think. Who wants to leave this one off? Well, I'll start because um, as a member of that task force, having been a member of that task force, and I really want to commend the membership. It was a large group. Uh, it had, in, in Sean Newton, it had an excellent chair. Um, what was most notable about it that I found, given a large group coming from different directions, representing different areas, was the high degree of agreement that digging into and and exploring and making recommendations about race equity in Salem was really uh, um, we all agreed on the need for that regardless of what perspective that we had originally we all agreed on the need and it was probably arguably the most productive and cooperative and uh, dedicated committee that I've served on for a long time. And I'm really proud to have been a member of it and I to, to work with a group that was so dedicated. 
Yeah, uh, I am. Um, I, I've been really um, looking at this, and you know, again, the cultural piece from the survey across the board was one of the reasons why people like to live in Salem is because of the cultural opportunities. And now I think it's up to, and I, I, I pray to God they they hire someone, you know, very soon. I know that they just hired a gentleman in in Beverly, because when you when you put a voice at the center of this conversation, that moves things forward. So it will move forward the initiatives of the equity. It's just like when I came in as public art planner. Yeah. It's taken years to build that, but look at the difference today. The acceptance of public art, the want for public art, and it's not just public art murals on the wall. We're talking about performances and artist row and elevating the the voice of the artist in the community. So, I just love the idea that so many people responded to what they thought was one of the most one of the reasons why they loved living in the city of Salem. Uh, I'm glad that she she used that analogy of like because I remember when that public art. Uh, big master plan came out a couple of years ago. Maybe you remember Dustin too. Um, and th- what was so cool about that is like sometimes in communities you'll see like master plans that are done, but there's no real like, con- like there's no one there to actually see it all the way through. It's like, oh, we've just done a master plan. That's it. Well, we're done. Like, that's great. We've done it. But like, I'm glad that they're following up with this, like, like after something as expansive as this. I don't think anything's probably ever been done of this caliber ever in Salem's history, looking at race equity like this. And, you know, it's kind of overwhelming in a really good way. Um, like, I'm like, where do I start here? Like, you know, before I was taking notes, I was like, I mean, we've got city hall, we've got small businesses, we've got education, we've got health, like just all the different uh, corners that this looks at. So I think that like Deb makes a really good point about how that person's going to help move this forward. And even, um, you know, I cover Swamp Scott too, and they actually are getting a person too. Town Meeting just approved uh, $85,000 to hire a full-time person to help move along. We, we ha- they haven't done the master plan yet, but they've done, but they've got, they've, they're, they're going to hire someone who's probably, I mean, they've got funding to do a master plan, but I think the person that they're going to hire is going to do exactly what Salem's done here. So, sorry. Yeah. I'm not sorry, but <laughs> putting that out there. And and I appreciate that they had these five subcommittees all working in tandem, trying to get at all of these different areas of importance for the city. Um, I I have to say that having been in higher education at an institution with folks who work in diversity and equity and having lots of colleagues in other types of organizations with folks in those roles, I'm excited and supportive of the recommendation that Salem hire a chief diversity officer. You know, it's it's wonderful to have somebody with a depth and breadth of experience in a leadership position at the table in all of these major conversations about inclusivity, um, diversity, and, and how to just best serve the needs of everyone in Salem, not just the folks who happen to most often be at the table. Well, I'm sure there will be people who dig into the report and who are of the opinion that it wasn't necessary or that everything's fine in Salem or why do you need that kind of leadership? And as all of you have said, uh, you first of all, you need a person who has the depth and breadth of knowledge of the issue of, uh, of, of equity to address it. And there are lots of 
experiences expressed in the report. There are lots of areas where equity does not exist in Salem. And that in spite of the uh, inclination of some folks, that some folks might have not to support the recommendations of the report, I would suggest that they really need to take a deep dive into where they're coming from. Because for those of us who are Salem residents and who are experiencing, who experience unequity and inequality in Salem, it's very easy to talk about, for others to talk about Salem has no issues. But when you live here, when you experience them, when you observe them, yes, Salem has any number of issues. And it will take someone whose sole responsibility is to bring those issues to light and address them and get people on board to address them. It will take a single person or a, a supportive committee to make that happen. Before this, this morning, I was just doing just a quick runaround. I was looking at different websites and the chamber and Salem.com, the Council on Aging and some restaurants and hotels. The BIPOC community is rarely represented in any of these. So you're looking, you know, you want to visit Salem or you live in Salem and you're popping onto a website. You're not seeing yourself, you know, you're not, you're, the BIPOC community is not seeing themselves. So even something as simple as that, because I think the white community doesn't remember that there are others beside the white community to be represented. And so it was just fascinating to, to I, I probably did about six or seven of them. Just, just, yeah, the representation is so important. Yeah, and, and you know, to add to that, um, this isn't an issue that happens in isolation, right? It's not a unique pattern where in Salem, we're not inclusive enough in our representation on websites. This is a problem across the board, across the state, across the country. And the consciousness raising that we can do on the local level to say, hey, you know, we have this task force. With any luck, we'll get a chief diversity officer. We'll, we'll invest um, some expertise, some time, some resources in building people's consciousness around this issue. The, the better job we can do, and maybe we can emerge as more of a leader in this regard in the region, right? And I, I think that Salem has been a leader in so many ways. It would be wonderful to see that really become a reality in something that the businesses in the community are also increasingly more aware of. Because again, we're all raised in the, in this cultural context where broadly representation is primarily of, of white culture and times are changing. We need to keep up with the times and um, we can do better. So something that I was just thinking about, and I, I, I apologize if this might be a little explosive to just suddenly introduce and drop like it's a hot potato, but <laughs> I, when you bring up, you know, all of the different organizations and things like that, that, you know, the pictures are very, very representative of white culture, what, what, who is Salem trying to sell that image to? You, obviously the tourists, and I'm kind of wondering, and I've never even thought to ask this, what, what's the, the diversity of our tourist community? You know, the people that are traveling to Salem who are hitting the museums, who are, you know, booking the Airbnbs, are there a lot of people of color within that? Or is that largely a white community responding to the whiteness that they see on the websites? You know? Interesting question. I think that would maybe be something for Destination Salem if they actually compile that kind of information. Um, it, it could be. Right now, I mean, people aren't traveling as much from different countries. 
it'll be interesting to know that. So one one of the things that that you know I, I just want to mention is is looking at what other communities are doing right now to promote BIPOC small BIPOC uh, businesses in Lynn and Lawrence working with Mass Development is I think we need to see the area like uh, region as as Rebecca said. You know, I was struck with the idea of how can we work within Essex County. I, I'm involved with the Creative County Initiative, and we see art across Essex County. We promote it across Essex County, and I think as a group, if we could, if we could all work together. So, what are you doing in Lynn to really, you know, um, in economic development? Uh, what are you doing in Lawrence for art and economic development? I think if we could, if we could get some regional partners. Um, to be able to, to to not see okay let's hey I just learned about this business in Lynn and I want to support that or Lawrence or somewhere and and or Beverly let's see us as a region and not just as a as a microcosm you know or let's do both let's do both let's yeah do. I like the idea of both because um, I I you know as a local reporter just you know around I mean it's really hard for towns and cities to really think regionally like it's just they don't I mean you go to Marblehead you mentioned you know you mentioned like you know a sharing uh, what is it um, dispatch services I mean it's just like World War Three you know it's really hard to get people to think about things outside of their own community cities and towns um, but yeah I mean I think that you you hit on the nail like we do need to start thinking more broadly. And on that note, so I know the report obviously has a lot to say about the different recommendations and improvements we can make to eliminate this microaggression source and these other different issues that are, but there's also a lot of talk about cultural identity and like Steve Zreich, the new superintendent at Salem Public Schools gets a nod in here coming up with this idea for Salem's 400 living legends, which is just, Salem is a city of storytellers. I, I think everybody can agree with that. And now through a program like that, you're giving Salem the ability to tell its own stories. And then you've got the culture fest that they were talking about wanting to do. This is all within the first section of the report. When I saw the culture fest, I was thinking about, you know, the cultural festivals that they have over in Peabody and how massive those things get. And I remember covering those a couple of times for the newspaper and wondering why isn't something like this going on at Salem? And that international festival they have annually in Peabody is really quite the celebration of culture. You know, it's it's a it's a big deal to the community as a whole. So it's a good question. You know, we we can look at what other towns are doing, um, and get more ideas. Just just like other towns get lots of ideas from Salem. Oh yeah, and restaurants and things like that. And then after all, I mean, the mayors of Salem and Beverly meet once a year on the bridge to walk across it and talk. Why can't the ideas keep going after that? You know. I think they can. I, I think it would be great to, and you know, to be able to look at a cultural festival around the city. Sometimes we expect people just to come to one place and it's all represented there. But there'd be really a wonderful idea to get to different neighborhoods and communities. And I, I think it's going to happen. I think a cultural fest is going to happen. I would encourage everyone especially Salem residents to pull up the report and dig deep into it. And, you know, when you follow some things on social media and you see people bemoaning the fact that Salem is not what it used to be, and we all know what that's code for, but here we are. And we love living in Salem and being a part of Salem. 
and increasing the access to every part of Salem is really, it's going to make it a much richer community than it already is. Um, isn't it uh, 51%? I think we talked about this before, 51% of children of color is represented in our school system. Do you remember that, Dustin or Will? I don't have the exact numbers, but I know, I think it was the high school is now a uh, majority minority. It's, it's, yeah. it's basically the white population is no longer the majority. So I know that there, I don't know if it was the schools or if it was the high school specifically, but there was a shift like that recently. So it's, it's, so, so this is so timely because this is the next generation coming up, the next generation to have the opportun economic opportunities and to live in a community um, where they feel welcome and accepted and yeah, bring everyone together. And Gwendolyn, I agree with you. I, you know, I hope everybody gets a chance to look at this, look at the survey that came out, look at this um, task force report. It's it's quite something. And we'll make sure that we also include links in it uh, everywhere this episode airs. And sadly, we're starting to run low on time, but I'm sure we could go on for this topic for hours. We encourage everyone to take some time, obviously, to check it out. Uh, if we don't have the links in our videos, you can go to raceequitysalem.org. Again, that's raceequitysalem.org to see the report and the work that's coming up next. So on to our final topic of the day, the city's literally oldest resource now has a welcome mat in the Charter Street Cemetery Welcome Center. There's just so many angles to this thing. It's a history-fueled partnership between the city and PVD Essex Museum. It's a watchdog for graves that are a generation shy of 400 years old. And it's also partially air conditioned, which is really saying something given the age of the building. I know we've all been there. In fact, I was there with Will covering this a little while back. Right. How's everybody feeling about it? I think it's gonna be great. It's gonna, um, and I'm like thinking the entire time when we were there, it was super hot. It was a super hot day. I'm like drenching. But one of the things that I liked about it was how it really makes the cemetery come alive. There's so many stories that are in there and, you know, that need context. And uh, I think it's totally going to bring that together. I love the gift shop. I love the fact that, I know that sounds really weird, but like, it's so cool because it's not like your little like cheap kind of t-shirts. Like I, you know, um, I got stoned in Salem or something like that. It's like, <laughs> um, they actually take the oldest grave marker, like the, the, Epitaph? No, no, that's like words, uh, like symbol. Dustin, maybe you can help me here. The oldest, the oldest, like grave marker that's in there, and they use the the art that's on it to make as their symbol, like the logo for the cemetery. And it's really cool. It's like it's from like 1670 or something like that. Like it's just crazy. And um, I think this is long overdue, and I just think it's going to be really cool. And it's gonna it's gonna create. Uh, it's going to generate, you know, money to help to actually care for the renovations because all this comes after like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of landscaping and renovations to the cemetery and the money that's going to generate from the gift shop and all of that stuff is going to directly back into like telling the story of the cemetery and keeping things up updated and whatnot. But yeah. Even just having babysitters around that say, hey, you really shouldn't eat your lunch on salt stalls too. I mean, that's not a great idea. Yeah. It's long overdue. You know, my husband has worked on uh, Mount Auburn Cemetery and King's Chapel and you name the cemetery, he's been there and worked on many of the stones and some of his products actually are some of those stones. But 
it, it's it's long overdue. I think I think I think some of the things are irreparable, and um, we have Hawthorne. You know, but, uh, we have people from the witch trials. So much history, and thank goodness, as you said, Dustin, babysitters or people that can keep them. It is a, it is a place of it's 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 a sacred place. We have people buried there, so it's not a carnival. So I'm Was really. And lots, lots of visitors don't know any better. So having folks there to just educate and say, hey, you know, just as an FYI, these are really like, you know, more delicate than you, than you would think. They're made of stone, but stone isn't actually forever. So let's, you know, make sure that these are well cared for. I think that that can be done very nicely and the tourists will respect the guidance. Uh, in one of my pieces or in one of the articles that I wrote, I remember there was a line. Is it leader? Is it Elizabeth Peterson? Is that her name? Dustin? She runs the witch house. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, some tourists actually question whether the cemetery is actually real or not. Um, and that's just uh, <laughs> it tells you how much this is needed. And also just one thing about that gift shop, I know I did, but was that there's actually books that they sell about like Salem history and then the sh there's like t-shirt designs that are like of that symbol that I told you guys about like it's more meaningful kind of stuff than than just those like small like you know crappy stuff that you would take home from saying that you know you're, you're you, you know you've been to Salem or whatever yeah actually one of my favorite t-shirts and it's all I locally have. sourced it's all locally yeah. sourced was, yeah from uh, the PV Essex Museum when they had the witch trial and it says there were no witches <laughs> Love that T-shirt. It was actually designed by uh, uh, Trevor Smith, who's the um, you know who's one of the curators, and it was his wife who's a fabric artist. So I love that. The run of witches. True. Well, so that's all the time that we have for today. Just a quick programming note, if you're catching this on social media or Salem Access TV, we are launching a new podcast. And as this episode releases, we'll be releasing a bonus conversation on the current state of politics and this year's elections in Salem. A link to find the podcast will appear everywhere this episode appears online. And we hope that you continue that journey with us. So that is all that we have for time for today. For Deb, Gwen, Rebecca, Will, and Alan, thank you for joining us. Hug the people that you hold dear if you're vaccinated. Go get the shot if you aren't. Register to vote if you haven't. And say hey if you see any of us at any Salem happenings.